innumerable are the virtues of cider, as of apples alone, which, being roasted or cuddled, are excellent in hot distempers, resist melancholy spleen, pleurisy, and being sweetened with sugar, abate inveterate colds. These are the common effects even of raw apples. But cider performs it all and much more, as more active and pure. In a word, we pronounced it, for the most wholesome drink of Europe, as specifically sovereign against the scorbute, the stone, spleen and whatnot. Well, that's a 17th century opinion on cider, delivered by a person of great experience, quoted by John Evelyn, the diarist, who himself addressed the Royal Society on the subject of cider apple cultivation in the year 1662. During the 16th, 17th and 18th centuries, cider making was carried on in these islands to a great extent. So much so that when one John Phillips, an Englishman, felt a violent passion to do some honour to his native country, he chose to compose a poem on cider, founded upon the model of Virgil's Georgics, and not one of your pastoral lyrics either, but a sizable Miltonic affair in two books. In the second book, the poet issues his directions for producing the desirable liquor. Now, now's the time. Ere hasty sons forbid to work, disburthen thou thy sapless wood of its rich progeny. The turgid fruits abound with mellow liquor. Now exhort thy hinds to exercise the pointed steel on the hard rock, and give a wheelie form to the expected grinder. Now prepare materials for thy mill, a sturdy post, cylindric, to support the grinder's weight, excessive, and a flexile, sallow, entrenched rounding, capacious of the juicy hoard. Nor must thou not be mindful of thy press. Long ere the vintage, but with timely care, shave the goat's shaggy beard, lest thou too late in vain shouldst seek a strainer to dispart the husky terrene dregs from purer must. Be cautious next a proper steed to find, whose prime is past. With sober pace he'll tread the circling path till dewy eve from early day spring, pleased to find his age declining, not unuseful to his lord. Mr. Phillips' instructions must have represented the method of cider making employed with variations and improvements up to the time of mechanization. The same principles form the basis of a more prosaic and detailed account contained in the Dublin Society's Weekly Observations in the series of pamphlets issued during the month of June 1737. The editor remarks that cider making had become of late years a business of some importance in Ireland as the consumption of that agreeable liquor is considerably increased already and every day increasing. The Society's laudable efforts to encourage cultivation seem to have borne fruit in every sense of the word, 
For despite the general disruption of the industry suffered during the period of the Napoleonic Wars, cider making was carried on to quite a considerable extent during the 19th century in Cork and Waterford. Cider making is today one of Ireland's most flourishing industries and the cider factory offers a ready market to the farmer who takes advantage of the fruit development schemes sponsored by the Department of Agriculture. Last September, the mobile recording unit visited the factory at Clonmel. The late autumn is the great period for crushing, and a continuous stream of carts, trucks and lorries pours into the town from far and near, from Pilltown and Knocklofty, Capamore and Capaquin, Adair and Fermoy. Let us follow the fate of one of these lorry loads from the time it arrives at the factory. Hello, hello. You're here again today? Yes. Who have you the load for this time? I can't knock up the hill. Uh, have you got a post? Yes, here, yeah. How many bags have you up? 80 bags. Yes. You're coming in again today? Or no, not tomorrow. Not in today, okay. Uh, pull down to the wind there on the right. Right on. Then Yes. Come in and show you how often we're way back to the empty stuff. Right on. The apples are now dumped in large bins. We meet the manager of the factory, Mr. Herbert O'Reilly, who describes to us the first stage in the modern cider making process. ...of apples which have been emptied from their bags and are awaiting milling. The hose, which you see on the right, is used for to carry the apples, uh, to wash the apples and carry them along the uh, channel uh, to the screw conveyor, which passes, uh, the canal passes right under the yard uh, and carries the apples underground on a, on a current of water uh, to the mouth of the apple uh, screw conveyor. The screw conveyor, which you see here, separates the apples from the water and carries them. When thoroughly dried, says the Dublin Society's expert, reduce your apples to a pumice by pounding or by grinding them. He deprecates as tedious and expensive the method of pounding in a trough and describes the several engines then in use for grinding. Here is Mr. O'Reilly's description of a modern mill. Here at the mill, the apples are being ground to a fine pulp before being pressed. You can hear the sound of the apples falling down into the mill uh, just now. The, the pulp falls into a pit below and is there built into cheeses ready for prepping. You may have noticed the use of the word cheese. This, like the term pumice for pulp, is one of the old technical terms of the industry which have survived through the centuries. Mr. O'Reilly explains the word at the next stage of the process, the pressing of the pumice. Uh, here underneath the mill, we see the uh, ground apple falling down into a pit this ground apple material is called pomace, spelled P-O-M-A-C-E. The pomace is collected in the pit, and it is here that the, uh, it is built up for, for pressing, pressing under the hydraulic press. The pomace, the pomace is packed into can, especially woven canvas containers, which are, uh, which are called hairs. These hairs are built up together to form a cheese. 
How many pairs are you putting into the cheese today, Jim? Nine number one. Uh, nine and number one. Yes. Nine here. Nine. Nine, nine pairs to form a number one. Right. Um, uh, how many have you done so far? Twenty number one. Twenty one. Well, it's now a quarter to three. That's, uh, right. that's good. Yes, You'll get through all right this evening. Oh, we will, yes. Yeah, the apple's nice and juicy today. They are very juicy today. That's good. And the mills are grinding all right. Oh, the mills are grinding all right, right, yes. right. From here, uh, from here, we can pass uh, along and follow a trolley uh, containing a cheese as it goes under the hydraulic press uh, to, for the juice to be pressed out. The, you can hear the sound of the hydraulic press at work. The hydraulic press consists of a machine in which there's a heavy platform pressed down on top of the cheese of, uh, consisting of these uh, nine hairs. The juice is thereby forcibly driven out through the canvas and you can hear the juice as it falls down into the pit. Okay. Our Dublin Society pamphlet informs us that we must now leave our apple juice for some time to itself till it has gone through a necessary fermentation and deposited its lees. To this purpose, some dispose of it immediately in hogsheads, others in large tubs or vats, and the most curious in a vessel intended for that very use, fixed upon a stand or stilling, provided with a tap at bottom and containing five, ten or twenty hogsheads. We now visit the modern vat house. Have you those the conversation which we have just heard comes from the vat house uh, where uh, the apple juice uh, coming from the cider making plant is transferred by pumps uh, to large oak vats uh, where it's fermented. You can hear in the background the sound of a heavy pump uh, transferring the juice uh, into uh, a vat which uh, holds uh, 10,000 gallons. The, vat, the capacity of vats here ranges from 10 to 60,000 gallons and uh, uh, the fermentations go, uh, take place in these vats uh, over a period of weeks. The, after fermentation, the yeast uh, is, which uh, converts the natural sugar of the apples into uh, alcohol is allowed to settle out and the cider is racked from one vessel uh, to another. The uh, racking uh, process having been carried out, uh, certain fining materials are added and the cider is filtered. This filtering, uh, filtering is carried out uh, several times before the processing is complete. The, this process, the, the complete processing, uh, produces a bright and clear cider which the customers are accustomed to receive in bottle or glass uh, in, the, uh, in the shops. Uh, we have uh, here a large number of vats uh, which uh, are connected together by means of glass pipeline uh, which has the advantage that uh, one can see clearly the uh, condition of the cider as it is pumped from one vat uh, to another. There is uh, also an interesting point here that the vats, uh, instead of being numbered, which numbers are liable to be confused, they are named, and we have names on vats such as Kerry, Dublin, Tipperary, and so on. We can now follow the pipeline of cider down to the bottling room. We now hear the unmistakable sounds of a bottling house at work. 
The uh, bottles are here being washed and cleansed uh, carefully before being filled with cider. After they have been uh, through the machines, they are rinsed off with a, a, a stream of clear cold water uh, and then are conveyed on a conveyor uh, to the special bottling house in which the uh, air supply is filtered uh, so as to avoid contamination from the atmosphere, uh, which would affect the product. The bottles uh, are placed on the machine and they here meet the uh, carbonated cider. The cider has come from the uh, vat house and uh, is mixed with carbon dioxide and chilled. The chilling uh, operation enables the cider to uh, uh, dissolve the carbon dioxide and uh, this carbon dioxide gives uh, the bottle cider its sparkle. The uh, bottles go around on the machine once and are filled with cider. They are then removed and the necessary stoppers or crown corks uh, placed in position. They are then placed on a conveyor which takes them uh, to the labelling machine. You can hear the bottles rattling along on the conveyor to the labelling machine. The, uh, the labelling machine uh, sound may now be heard uh, as labels are applied to uh, flagon bottles which we are doing today. Uh, Johnny, uh, how is your machine going today? It's going very well. No label stick no like no. What's the hourly rate, rate are you getting? 90 to 100 doesn't Oh, that's very good. Right. Uh, the bottles coming from the labelling machine are placed on the on a table uh, where an operative takes them in hand, places them in crates on a conveyor, which takes them to the to the dispatch store prior uh, to setting out for their destination. Cider on draft, cider in bottle. Cider sweet and dry and sparkling according to taste. Soon the manufacturers arrange for its dispatch to the consumer. Hello? Oh, the order for Dublin. Yes, I think it's nearly ready now. I'll contact the dispatch department. Will you get down this for me, please? I will, yes. Dennis, is the order for Dublin ready for dispatch yet? It's been loaded now, Sean, yes. It's been loaded now? Yes. Hello? No, it's been loaded now. It's ready to go any time. Thank you. And as the carts and the lorries from the farms keep arriving with their loads of fruit at one entrance to the factory, the manufacturer's own trucks are waiting at another end to take the finished products to their various destinations. Eighty dozen seconds. Eighty dozen. Yes. I'll put your colours. Twenty dozen. Twenty dozen. Right, we'll run upon the cattle and stuff last now. Dublin is open front. Many for Dublin. Hundred dozen. Dublin. Hundred dozen. Hundred dozen cases for Dublin. Yeah. Half pints. Two hundred cases for half pints. Two hundred cases for half pints. You want to find a fairly high number? Fairly high with them. Any pressure for? And any pressure cards? Six. Six. I will leave them on the back. So another consignment of cider leaves the factory, but the work still goes on. In the laboratory, chemists keep a vigilant eye on the purity and quality of the product. Uh, we are now in the laboratory where the, the apple juice and cider is tested at the various stages of the process of manufacture from the time the apples uh, are ground until the uh, finished product goes into the bottle. Uh, there are many tests carried out here, amongst which are uh, tests for the alcohol content of the juice, and the sugar content of the also the apple juice. Mr. Talty, uh, have uh, you got the results? Have you got the results of the uh, 
uh, range of alcohol samples that came up this morning, yeah? Uh, no, I haven't them completed yet, but I'll have, have them all finished first thing in the morning. Right, will you leave them on my desk, please, in the morning? Uh, yes. Right, thank you. Uh, we also test here in, this, in the laboratory the pectin material, which is, the, which is our byproduct and is used uh, in the, the products used in the manufactured jam. Uh, Miss Stapleton, uh, have, Miss Stapleton, have you uh, got the uh, jelly test uh, uh, results entered yet in the book? Yes, I've just got them. All oh, right, well, I'll, I'll uh, look at them now in a, in a few minutes. I'll come back to you in a few minutes and uh, look at them. Right. Uh, what uh, are the jellies going satisfactorily? Do you think the uh, yes. yields are are good? Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> uh, right. All. We inquired about pectin, that valuable byproduct of the cider industry which is so useful to the jam maker, both in the factory and in the home. Mr. O'Reilly showed us the first stage in the process of its manufacture. The raw material of pectin uh, is the pulp, which is left after the juice has been pressed out from the apples. This, the pumice, is carted away from the uh, hydraulic presses where the juice has been pressed out and brought to the rotary dryer, uh, which is uh, uh, which is, consists of a furnace and rotary drum in which the uh, which a great heat is generated by means of oil burners and you can now hear the sound of the uh, rotary uh, the blower starting up for the purpose of uh, oil burn the burning oil in the furnace. There is fed in uh, the pumice is fed in at one end of the drum and passes through. Uh, in conjunction with the hot gas uh, from the furnace, passing out of the far end in the form of a dry of a dry pile or something, a dry pulp, something like bran. This is bagged and stored as the raw material for pectin manufacture uh, later in the year when our apple when our apple season is not uh, in operation. That completes our picture of the modern cider factory. We asked Mr. O'Reilly whether any of the product found its way back to the farms whose orchards supply the apples for its manufacture. And he told us that in recent years, some farmers have begun to use cider as a harvest drink, as refreshment for the harvesters and at the harvest home. This is a revival of a very old tradition. Our poet, Mr. Phillips, has a word to say on the point. The farmer's toil is done. His caves mature, now call for vent. His hands, exhaust, permit the indulge a while. Now solemn rites he pays to Bacchus, author of heart-cheering mirth. His honest friends, at thirsty hour of dusk, come uninvited. He, with bounteous hand, imparts his smoking vintage sweet reward of his own industry. Now sportive youth carol in condite rhythms with suiting notes and quaver unharmonious. Sturdy swains in keen array for rustic dance prepare mixed with the buxom damsels. Hand in hand they frisk unbound and various mazes weep.